Hello, friends, and welcome to the PrepWell podcast. I'm your host, Phil Black. And if you have an 8th, ninth, or 10th grader with big aspirations, like the Ivy League or military service academies like West Point, ROTC, or athletic scholarships, boom, you've come to the right place. My specialty, my superpower, if you will, is preparing families for these competitive programs. I'll teach you what your child should do, when they should do it, and how you can help. So stick around and prepare to out-prepare. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the PrepWell podcast. Today's episode revolves around writing, and I'm bringing this topic up now because it's college essay writing season. And unfortunately, I'm seeing a lot of examples of poor writing that I want to try to get to the bottom of, or at least bring your attention to in case you need to make some adjustments with your child. And that's not to say that if your child is in sixth grade, 7th, 8th, ninth, or 10th grade, that you should skip this episode because college essay writing seems so far off in the future. Please don't do that. Please stick around. The only reason I bring this up in the context of college essay writing is because that's the reason I'm seeing all of these examples of writing. I see it every year about this time, primarily with seniors. However, issues, problems, challenges with writing often start a lot earlier. So it would behoove you to stay tuned. In fact, if you're the parent of an 11th or 12th grader, it might actually be too late for you. Let me say this from the outset. I'm not suggesting that every student is struggling with writing, but I have seen a trend over the last five or six years that gives me pause. Now, have I done longitudinal studies or exhaustive research on the quality of teenage writing? To back up this hunch, no, I'm just commenting about what I'm seeing a lot of from kids like yours every week in real life. So take my opinion with a grain of salt. To kick this off, I want to start out with a simple question. When is the last time you read something that your child has written? And by written, I don't mean text messages. I mean with sentences and capitalization and paragraphs and punctuation and stuff? It's a simple enough question. Maybe it was a book report or a history term paper or even a biology lab report. Any piece of writing that was turned in for a grade, when was the last time? And the follow-up questions are, what grade did they get and what kind of feedback did they receive on the paper? And I'm going to give you a few seconds just to come up with that, the answer to that question. Okay, hopefully by now, you all have a number in your head. Was it last week? Last month? Last year? Was it three years ago? Was it five years ago? Was it more than five years ago? Was it never? Now, before you get upset, I'm not suggesting that if you haven't seen a writing sample in quite some time, that you're a bad parent or that your child is a bad writer. I'm simply asking the question, when was the last time? Part of the reason I'm curious about this is because I have not seen such a sample from my junior in high school in probably six or seven years. And I would consider myself a pretty involved parent, especially on the academic side of things. So I had to wonder if I haven't seen a writing sample in six or seven years, and I'm all over this type of thing, 
when is the last time a less involved parent actually saw their child's writing? And unfortunately, I'm finding that poor writing skills come to light at the exact time that those writing skills need to be at their best. And that is when it's time to write college essays. Obviously, I'm super aware of this now because I'm in the middle of a lot of essay review, not only with my private PrepWell students, but with other online PrepWell students who work with me specifically for college essay guidance. And the trend is not a good one. And one of the reasons this finding is so curious is because nearly every one of these students gets A's in English for their whole career, even in classes like AP English Language and Composition. So it stands to reason that parents, including me, wouldn't ask a lot of questions. Why should we? They're getting A's, or A's and B's after all, across the board, many of them. Of course, they must be good writers, maybe even great writers. If they weren't, surely I would know by now. Somebody would have tipped me off. I would have seen a B or a C on a paper or in an English class, right? Don't be so sure. You know what happens when we start to assume. From what I've seen over the last few years, getting A's in these classes has almost no bearing on what type of writer the student is. Virtually no correlation. But that's something we'll have to leave for another episode. What I'm trying to drive home here is don't assume your child knows how to write sentences and paragraphs in a clear and coherent way just because you haven't heard from their English teacher or seen bad grades. These two early warning signals seem to be hard to come by these days. So please, don't wait to find out what type of writer your child is until a few weeks before their college essays are due. Is it any wonder? Why our kids procrastinate so much when they start their college essays? Newsflash, they don't procrastinate because they can't come up with that clever idea. They procrastinate because they're not confident in writing in the English language. Many don't know how to create an outline or have never seen an outline before. Many never even formulate a plan of action before they start writing. Most don't do any research or gather relevant information before they start to type. And I'm not talking about students who come from impoverished neighborhoods with failing schools and unengaged teachers and parents. I'm talking about students from well-to-do neighborhoods who come from reputable public and private high schools and who are getting A's across the board. I can't believe the level of writing from students who you would assume would be above-average writers based on their transcript. Does it make sense now why the SAT and ACT got rid of the essay section of their tests? Hmm, I wonder why that is. Does it make sense now why more and more colleges are doing what Princeton does by requiring a writing sample of a paper that was turned in and graded by a teacher? Why do you think they're doing that? And maybe the next question is, who's to blame? Now, we could spend hours debating who or what is responsible for this abrupt slide, allegedly, in writing quality. But since we only have a few minutes on this podcast, I just want to share a couple quick thoughts. Let's start with good old technology. I don't know about you, but when I wrote a paper in high school, it was in pen and in script 
and on college-ruled loose-leaf paper. There was no copying and pasting from the internet. There was no collaborating with friends, no Wikipedia, no autospell, no autocorrect. It was just me sitting at my desk, yes, a desk, and writing the paper by hand. And when I got that paper back, it would be handed to me by my teacher who would look me in the eye. There would be a grade at the top of the paper, usually with a circle around it. And the body of the paper had a lot of red markings on it and annotations. Things like good opening or this transition needs improvement or poor word choice or good use of quotations, whatever the teacher may have said. I could hold the paper in my hand, look at it, think about it, digest the feedback before I put it in my backpack. And when I got home and I took my school stuff out of my backpack, my mom might walk over and see that graded paper and pick it up and take a look at it and make a comment or two. We'd discuss it. Maybe she'd congratulate me. And at least she would get a sense of where I am with my writing. When was the last time you had that type of exchange with your child? My guess is that very little of this is happening anymore. And please correct me if I'm wrong. In my experience these days, students type up their papers, which usually means typing nonstop until they hit their word limit. They submit them online to their school's chosen platform or through Turnitin, and a grade appears in a virtual gradebook a few weeks later. And that's it. Boom, it's done. Never to be looked at or heard from again. From what I can tell, and again, I may be wrong, there's limited feedback, limited rewrites, and the quality of the writing doesn't always seem to match with the grade. But yet, everybody seems happy until senior year when it's time to write 20 college essays that really matter. So really, when was the last time you and your child discussed anything that they've written? When was the last time you helped them with an outline? or a thesis statement? When's the last time you've proofread anything that they've written? Or followed up to see what grade they got on a paper? Or what the teacher feedback was? Or whether you thought the grade was appropriate? Again, maybe I'm in the minority here. Maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill just because I haven't done this with my own son in years. I've just been assuming that everything is okay. And by the way, I'm not suggesting that they're is anything wrong with my son or his writing, he's doing great. That's not the point. My point is that I never even thought to check out how he was doing for years. I also don't want to overgeneralize here. I'm sure this is not happening to every student in every school with every teacher. I know there are students out there who are very capable writers, and there are teachers who spend inordinate time commenting and mentoring and helping students with their writing. And I know that a lot of the feedback today is left by teachers digitally on Google Docs or some other online document app. And I hope this is more prevalent than I'm suggesting. Many of my private prep wellers over the years, and even today, are very good writers, but others are not. And when I start working with them as sophomores and juniors, I have no idea who is a good and not good writer because they all have the same grades usually A's. And I'm bringing this topic up now because I want your child to be a good writer by the time they start writing their college essays, typically the summer after their junior year. 
That's not very far away for a lot of you. You'd be surprised. I don't want your jaw to hit the floor when you see that first draft of their college essay in September of their senior year. That's not a good look for anyone. I want you to be ahead of the curve. I can't tell you how many students I work with on college essays who refuse to show their parents their work, their essays. Now, there could be a few reasons for this. Maybe their parents are overly critical. Maybe they're writing about something that's very personal or private. They don't want to share it with their parents. Or maybe they're embarrassed to show their parents what their writing looks like. Think about it. Writing is a task that requires a lot of thinking and outlining and planning and revising and conceptualizing. How much thinking, planning, outlining, revising, and conceptualizing happens if you're typing an essay or a term paper or a book report in bed on your laptop without a pen or notepad anywhere in sight while listening to music and scrolling on your phone? How exactly does that work? When you write, it often helps if you organize your thoughts in an outline. You jot down notes. You see how certain concepts work or don't work together. You see how you might reorder certain ideas within the paper. Until students master these skills, this is tough to do in a digital-only world. For those of us who grew up writing with a pen and paper, the transition to digital is a little bit less daunting. But if you don't have those foundational skills to begin with, and digital is all you know, I can't see how that's going to work out all that well. Now, maybe I'm old-fashioned, and students these days don't need anything tangible. They don't need pen and paper. They don't need to circle a paragraph and make an arrow to move it down. They can do all of that processing in their heads and on their computers on the fly. Maybe. I hope so. But my guess is that that's a pretty big leap. And from what I'm seeing, it doesn't seem to be working out all that well. And I know this isn't the most feel-good episode, but the evidence is mounting so quickly, and I'm seeing these issues crop up so frequently that I feel like I had to do something to ring the bell. I had to do something to get your attention and the attention of your children. Not all of you, some of you, whose kids might fall into this category. So where do we go from here? Let's start with your homework. If you have not done so within, let's say, the last six months, I want you to ask your child to send you a writing sample. It should be something that was officially turned in and graded by their teacher. Not a group project, but an individual writing assignment. If you can pull this off, and don't underestimate how long it'll take for you to get something like this from your child, I want you to read the paper, look at the feedback and the grade, and come to your own conclusion. How was the writing? Did it seem like their writing? What was the grade? Was the grade appropriate for the quality, in your opinion? What was the quality of the feedback, if there was any? And there'll be some percentage of you who will be jumping for joy because the writing looks good, maybe even great. It's on target. It received a good grade, maybe even a great grade, and it was justified. There was helpful feedback. It was grade level appropriate. And the world can now resume spinning on its axis again. You can breathe a sigh of relief. Some percentage of you, on the other hand, might be disappointed with what you see. 
maybe even shocked. Either the writing was bad, or the grammar was poor, or the spelling was non-existent, or there was no feedback, or the grade was not deserved, or all of the above. The good news, if this is the case, is that if it's early enough, you can intervene and come up with a plan of action to help them improve their skills before it's too late. And I'm really curious to know if I'm way off the mark here or whether I'm onto something. I know this is a tough topic to talk about, and it very well may open up a can of worms that none of us really need in our lives right now. But the alternative is not good either. So please, share with me what happens when you do your homework. Did you succeed in getting a writing sample? Were you surprised? Was it a good surprise or a bad surprise? I'd love to know. That's all I've got for you today, folks. Thank you for tuning in. If you know a parent with a 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th grader, 11th grader, 12th grader, please let them know about this episode. Share it with them. You can do that by finding that small box with the tiny arrow that points up. That's the share button. Click that button. Text your friends the link to this episode with a little note from you recommending that they give it a listen. If you have questions, comments, or an idea for an upcoming episode, please reach out to me by email, DM me on Instagram, check out our blog, Facebook, or LinkedIn. I'd love to hear from you. And until next week, goodbye, good luck, and never stop preparing. This podcast is brought to you by PrepWell Academy. PrepWell Academy is my one-of-a-kind online mentoring program that delivers to your ninth or 10th grader a short, highly relevant video from me every week, every Sunday, in fact, where I give them a heads up about what they should be thinking about to stay ahead of the game. To get these valuable lessons into your child's hands, please head over to PrepWellAcademy.com and enroll your child today.